It's tip-off time. The line, the jam! Welcome to ESPN Chicago's Fast Break with Jay Hood and Chris Black. Throws it to win it! Listen on your phone through the ESPN Chicago app, on FM at 100.3 HD2, and on AM at ESPN 1000. Watch the show on Twitch.tv or the Twitch app. Follow ESPN 1000 Chicago. Now here are your hosts, Jay Hood and Chris Black. Welcome in to Fast Break on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. I'm Chris Black, along with Jonathan Hood. We're here to talk basketball with you. Bulls conversation in the NBA until 3 o'clock right here on ESPN 1000. I'm Chris Black. I host Black and Abdallah weeknights 6 to 8 on ESPN 1000. Jonathan Hood comes from Cap and J. Hood mornings 7 to 10 here on ESPN 1000. Our basketball enjoyment, our knowledge comes together our fandom comes together on this show saturdays from one to three to talk bulls and the nba with you here on espn 1000 yeah it's not our first rodeo chris and i are also broadcasters for the uic flames on the college level and of course we've done podcasts together for a long time but together we are finally here on espn 1000 together bringing you fast break every saturday the best in nba and bulls conversation so if you love the league you come to the right place all right so let's get started tonight the bulls host the cleveland cavaliers the bulls are sitting at 40 and 26 the Cavs are 38 and 28 uh this is a big matchup for both teams uh both teams i would say are two of the more surprising teams around the association to this point of the year and the bulls tonight it's an interesting uh storyline hanging into the game is keeping an eye on the injury report heading into today uh both alex caruso and zach levine are questionable for tonight so that's a 50 50 proposition as we head towards the game tonight at the uc caruso's been out for six weeks and Zach Levine has a knee injury that he didn't practice yesterday, and it's something that the Bulls are going to have to keep an eye on throughout uh, the rest of this season into the playoffs. So, Jonathan, as we get things started, it seems as we as if we have good news with one with Caruso, mm-hmm. but once again, we're taking another step back, kind of trying to figure out the Zach Levine knee situation. Well, he's going to have a bulky knee, and he says he's going to play through it. Uh, there won't be any surgery. He's not going to miss too much of an extended time, at least based on what he says. We'll keep our eyes on that. But when we look at Alex Caruso, when he's been out, the defense has not been good enough, especially the perimeter defense. One of the hallmarks of the Bulls when they were healthy or healthier is when you had Lonzo Ball and you had Alex Caruso on the perimeter being able to slow down uh, an opposing offense. And so with Caruso in there, and I know that as much as LeBron James can pound his chest and happy for his accomplishments and believe the Lakers will make the playoffs. They miss a guy like Alex Caruso because he does the, the dirty work. I've told you before, you know, when I was calling Windy City Bulls games um, in the G League for three or four years, I saw Alex Caruso at, with the South Bay Lakers. And I saw him with his headband. The uniform was baggy. It was a little bit too big for him. I said, who is this guy? This guy was all over the floor, Chris. This guy was uh, diving for loose balls. He was hitting buckets. And I said, boy, that's a, the ultimate tryhard guy. And every time Caruso takes the floor, that's kind of who he is, right? He's got to kind of prove himself every time on the floor. He was able to get a big windfall of cash from the Bulls, and I think the Bulls are better for it once he's on the floor. So uh, hopefully he'll come back sooner than later, that's for sure. Absolutely, and the d- defensive side of this team is what the start of the season like had us so excited about this Bulls squad. Uh, Lonzo and Caruso, the ability to pair up 
with DeRozan in that fourth quarter lineup. You'd also have some Derek Jones in there as well, some length, and they would get turnovers. They get in the open court. It seems like this team early on, it was the start of the fourth quarter when they would make their runs. Many games they would be trailing, and then here comes the Bulls. But it, it had to do with the defensive start from the perimeter with both Caruso and Lonzo. Now, Lonzo still has some time until he's going to return. But Alex Caruso coming back into the mix, adding that, being a defensive stopper on the perimeter, I think it's really going to elevate the defense. Now, I, I think we also have to kind of look at the expectations. I don't think the moment he shows up, it will just immediately flip. Right. But I think it will contribute to having some level of success to kind of improve what we've seen because this defense has really deteriorated without Crusoe and Ball in the lineup. They, they've dropped into the 20s in as far as defensive efficiency. At the start of the year, they are a top 10 defensive team. Uh, they're already a great offensive team. Most of the season, they've been in that top five category as far as offensive efficiency. So it's on the defensive side that this team really needs to kind of tighten up some things before we get to the playoffs. Yeah, so because Caruso and Ball is out doesn't necessarily mean that once they return that the defense will be tighter. It'll be better on the perimeter, sure, but the issue is is in the painted area, right? Yeah. There's, there's just no resistance from from Vucevic on the inside or when they bring others in there. That's the problem, right? The whole thing with the Bulls, the overarching thing I see with the Bulls, Chris, is just pretty simple. Like, as you mentioned, they can score the ball. You should be able to win, at least be in the mix when you score 106 points, 112 points, 124 points, uh, score 110 against Memphis and lose. In that losing streak, those were winnable ball games if you can be able to make stops, right? You're not going to shut teams down like the Bulls. You're not going to try to hold them under 100 or 105. That's not happening. But you can be able to have some resistance in the paint. It is too often that the Bulls have allowed uh, players to be able to get in the paint for easy buckets. And so, yes, if Caruso and Patrick Williams, if Lonzo Ball returns, it's some better. But what are you going to do about the inside? And that's the whole thing with this Bulls team. Like, you have everything you, pretty much everything you need offensively. But if you're giving up a ton and if you have the worst. Uh, you know, plus minus amongst the top six teams in the East, it tells you all you need to know. It really does. And it seems as if, you know, for about a month, DeMar DeRozan just bailed this team out each and every night. And and that's where, you know, we kind of look at the expectations that we had for this team coming into the year. I was high on the team heading in. I thought this is a second round team. They got off to that high start at the start of the year. They're winning all those games. Surprise in the NBA, right? Everyone's noticing and some people started to kind of look at that and say, oh, they could, maybe this year they could do a little more. And I continue to pull back on that and say, nah, th- this seems second round-ish. Mm-hmm. What, what we have here is a nice building block, a nice base. But like when you compare this team to the Brooklyn Nets, and I know that they're lower in the standings, but they got more star power. You look at what the 76ers have done midseason, adding Harden to mix with Embiid, and Embiid playing at an MVP level. The defending champs in the Milwaukee Bucks, Giannis, probably the the leading candidate right now, in my opinion, for the MVP. And they're a team that's going to be a problem for many in the Eastern Conference. And then you also get Miami. When you look around the Eastern Conference, I think second round is still where this team's going to settle in. I, I don't see them getting to the conference finals just because when you get into that second round series, seven games, no matter what the situation Outside of facing off with Miami, you're going to be facing off against a team that's going to have the better player on the other side. 
Are you sure about that now? Yeah. Are you? I, I can't because listen, I can't flip my thoughts in October saying that because the Bulls have. DeRozan, Vucevic, Ball, Caruso, help for Levine, that they're going to be second round and out. I, that was my thought because I saw the roster. Sure. That was one of the reasons why I thought, hmm, there's more than just Levine here. This team has enough scoring to be able to get to the second round, and then you try your luck from there. Because I, I imagine, at worst, the Bulls would be the fourth or fifth seed in the East. Because you had no other choice but to look at it, right? Coming in, it's Durant and the Nets. It's Miami Heat's strong defense. It's the champion Milwaukee Bucks. It's Philadelphia. I didn't know Hard was going to you know, leave two teams in 13 months, right? I didn't know that was going to happen. But nonetheless, he's now with uh, the Philadelphia 76ers and Embiid. I didn't think Embiid would take another step either. This is just my thoughts in October, right? I didn't have him as an MVP candidate in October. But then again, I didn't think he'd be this healthy. Boston, I thought, and I think when you and I did our preview, sure. I thought, I think we both thought it's kind of a step back. Brad Stevens is no longer there. Adoka's got some work to do, and now that's working because Boston's defense is a hell of a lot better here in the second half of the season. So I still will stand pat and say that the Bulls will get to the second round and try your luck. But man, it, when when you continue to give up what you are giving up on the defensive end, it, you start to worry, right? You can score. But again, if if Tristan Thompson or if the others team or the other players are not coming together defensively, you could find yourself out. And it is, I'll, I guess, all I'm saying is is that this makes for a very entertaining Eastern Conference, doesn't it? It absolutely does. And, and when you point to the defensive side, I mean, they're 22nd right now in defensive efficiency. Mm-hmm. At one point early in the year, they were a top 10 defense. Tristan Thompson's not going to be the answer. He he can help a little. But it really is going to be the health of the others coming back and then being able to get that that kind of five-man unit that you had at the start of the season to kind of figure that out. Well, Tristan gives you a good rah-rah speech, doesn't it? Yes. That's real, right? That's real, right? I I think there's a topic there, right, based on newcomer who immediately becomes the voice of the team. Uh How does that work? That's real, right? You sure? That, that gives me Brandon Martian, Marshall vibes. Yeah, oh, it, yeah. It really does, right? Marshall did that thing with the Bears, and then all of a sudden people started leaving. Like, you start to see, like, Bears players one by one leaving the locker room. Like, okay, this is fake, right? Yes, this, this is fake. But, but for Tristan Thompson, look, he has to do that. First of all, you shouldn't have to have that speech does against he? Detroit. Well, I guess Detroit. If, if you need that speech against Detroit, right, good uh, young team that was beating you the other night and then you came back to win in the fourth quarter, if you need that pep talk against Detroit, you have more problems than I think. So, so let's talk about that game from Wednesday night. The Bulls win that game 114-108. to 108. Uh, They were down uh, late, and they had to fight back. DeMar DeRozan had 36 points. He went to the free throw line 13 times. He went 12-13 from the free throw line. He had eight rebounds. He shot 25 shot attempts. He, he made 12, 36 points for DeMar DeRozan. Uh, Zach gave you 25 points. Vooch gave you 21. Mm-hmm. And, and really, when you look at the way that game came together, it was a defensive effort mid-fourth quarter that turned everything. And it was getting out in transition that kind of led to the Bulls coming back in that. And, you know, it, it's fine if that's how you want to live your life in the league, but... You should probably take care of business against teams like the Pistons and not have to worry about fighting back to win those games. I, it should have been a much easier game than we saw. There's no question uh, against a young team that's got you know has, has gone on the precipice of losing 50 games this season. The key to beating the Pistons for me, Chris, was that the Bulls scored 60 points in the paint. 
They were 31 for 35 from the foul line. And, man, so if you look through in the losing streak before this, the Bulls are at a big deficit at the foul line, right? And you heard Stacey King and others bitching about the foul line and how the Bulls weren't getting Well, if you're a jump-shooting team, if you're not trying to get calls, that's what it looks like, right? So I was just happy to see the Bulls get to the foul line, 31 for 35, yeah. and also working on the inside. That's you know, That stops you from being a jump-shooting team. Now, on the flip side, the Bulls did not shoot well from three. They were three for 15, but you didn't need to shoot that well well from the outside from three when you're able to get all those points in the painted area so to me that was great getting 19 points off of turnovers that mean the defense was good against the pistons as well so yeah that game was in the balance in the fourth quarter i mean against that pistons team you lose against detroit then you don't know really who you are you lose against the upper echelon but to lose against them it's good that the Bulls pulled that out of the fire. They break a five-game losing streak. They beat the Pistons on Wednesday, and they host the Cavs tonight at the UC. It's Chris Black and Jonathan Hood. The show is Fast Break. We're talking NBA and the Bulls with you at 312-332-3776. What were your expectations for this team coming into the season? And have your expectations changed? I said it. I, I thought that this was a second-round team. Jonathan sees a second round. I know at one point throughout the year, people saw this team winning all these games, suggesting, hey, maybe we could get to the conference finals. Maybe you sniff a, a finals run. Can we get a finals run in this season, the first season that all these pieces are put together? What are your thoughts? Bulls fans, 312-332-3776. We'll take your calls next. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. It's Fast Break. It's Black and Hood here on ESPN 1000 from 1 to 3 Saturdays until the bull season's over, Jonathan. Hopefully that will go away. Are we going all the way to June? To July. Is this a March to June? Right through the parade. <laughs> right through, right through the parade. I mean, it's wide open. Listen, this Eastern <laughs> Conference, I know it goes through Milwaukee, right? Yeah. I know. I know let's, let's not cast any aspersions. It goes through the champs. you got to beat the champs if you want to get on top. But it is, it is fascinating to see the hierarchy of the Eastern Conference. It used to be the least. Now it's one of the most interesting conferences uh, that we've seen in a long time. What are your expectations for the Bulls? When they were coming into the season, did you change your opinion as you've seen this team play throughout the season? Did the five-game losing streak that you just saw the Bulls go through, did that kind of change uh, your temperament based on what you think this team can do in the playoffs? 312-332-3776. Trey on the west side, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Trey? What's up, my guy, Mr. Black? Trey. Jay Hood, how you guys doing today? What's cracking, man? Welcome to Fast Break. Well, I appreciate you guys having me, man. You guys are them dudes. I'm glad I get the opportunity to talk to the both of you guys because I listen to you, Hoodie, in the morning. And, and Black, as he know, I listen to you all, him and Adele at night. But I just wanted to chime in, fellas, in regards to expectations. I'm going to share something with you guys real quick in regards to that. It guarantees disappointment. So I'm not expecting nothing. This is Chicago. I've been here my whole life. And I truly believe the Bulls will finish no less than third in the East. I'm believing that for some reason. So I'm hopeful that it happened. They get a full squad and we just see what happens from now. But no expectations for me, gentlemen. All right. Good call, Trey. Appreciate you. 
All right. I, I, I had second-round expectations. Number one, the roster, because the way it was built. Number two, because of the perimeter defense, just adding Caruso to the mix. And number three, Billy Donovan. It's funny. When we talk about how good this team is, a 40-win ball club, Chris, we don't yeah. uh, give Billy Donovan and the coaching staff credit. They're able to put this thing together every day, trying to hold all the egos together. I think Donovan's done a nice job. Chase, on the south side, you're on ESPN 1000. What were your expectations heading into the season, and have they changed? What up, Black? Chase. What up? Hoodie, what's the word, man? Thunderbird. What's up, Chase? <laughs> what do you think about this Bulls team, bro? Well, I mean, my whole thing here is that uh, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, expectations right now for me is, I look at them as more of a second round because there, there was no expectations to begin with the season anyway. So, I mean, I think that we all got a host of, you know, early in the season when we were the best team early in the season. But as we see now that, you know, that was all just a smoke and mirrors. But I got a question for you, Black. And, I, and yeah. you play basketball, right? Yeah, I did in high school. Yeah. Well, I, I played uh, I play a little rec league uh, in my 20s, too. Yeah, he played until he okay. got hurt, and then he retired. Multiple times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he went well, down. I, it, no, the reason why I ask that is because, like, when you ever play point guard, when you're a point guard, and, and like, because I always wonder, like, why do the Bulls always have the Rosen or Levine as the distributed ball handlers? Because I figure if you if you have, like, a primary scorer, shouldn't your primary scorer play off the ball and have your point guard bring the ball up the court because – if you have your primary scorer as a ball hand, that wears them down and that causes the defense to collapse. I always wonder that. Like, cause I know when the Bulls had, when they used the sumo and or ball as a point guard, I noticed how Levine and DeRozan were more effective, more so than bringing the ball to court. So that's, that was just always my take on it. And I know Stacey King mentioned that too as well. And Kendall Gill mentioned that a few times too is having, you know, uh, DeSumo be, or ball be the point guard and have Levine and DeRozan play off the ball instead of bringing, being a primary ball handler. That wears them down when you when you constantly bring the ball. So that was just my point, though. Chase, I need, yeah. you, I need, I need you to put that seatbelt on, bro. Don't do that. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, guys. I know you're in that beeping noise. I'm sorry. Put, now, do you oh, know, we want you to be safe. Put the seatbelt on, Chase. Don't, first. don't get pulled oh, over <laughs> now. Come on now. Oh, no, we don't want that now. <laughs> now in Chicago. <laughs> be careful now. <laughs> All right, guys. Take All care, right, Chase. Man. Thanks, Chase. All right. What do you think? I think you should put a seal belt right. on. I think you should be safe. I, I'm with you on that, yeah. 100%. I would say the concept that you have to have a point guard yeah. walk the basketball up to the to the midcourt line and then give it to a player, I think that's a bit outdated. It's 2010. Yeah, I don't know what you need that for. You don't need to do that. Yeah, and I they, mean... You have, you, have five, you have four guys at least on the roster that can initiate offense. You know, look at other teams in the league. Okay, outside of Phoenix or Golden State, who their best players are, the point guards. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you have lead guards who are bringing up the basketball and getting right into the offense. Right. That That's the concept. So, because I know uh, there were a lot of calls about Lonzo not bringing the ball up enough when he was healthy because DeMar DeRozan is. Well, he has one of the highest usages in the entire league because he dominates in the fourth quarter. You want the ball in his hands. I don't think it makes any difference at all. And, and in fact, I think it's just an, an outdated, old school thought that you have to have a small guard walk the basketball up to midcourt to then hand it off to the guy who's going to facilitate the play. Yeah, not in twenty two, not in twenty twenty two. I mean, we yeah. just did see Philadelphia against the Bulls, right? Who initiated offense there? And James B, Harden and, 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 and B brought it yeah. up. 
and was and shooting lights out, right? I mean, it's, it's hard. It's this is where basketball is now. Whoever initiates the offense, maybe that guy shoots a three. Maybe he just wants one pass and bring it and get it back to him. But that you don't need that anymore. Again, the Bulls are blessed to have Io or a Kobe if you need to, or yeah. Levine or DeRozan to be able to initiate offense, and of course, and Caruso if you if you know at times, right? So you're fine there. That's not the issue. My issue is is the defense. Right, that's my issue, and then um, the Miami game tells you everything you need to know, Chris, defensively. Right, like so when you let Bam out of bio and Tucker and Jimmy Butler get into the lane over and over again and just get easy buckets. And, of course, they're so prolific from three, the Miami Heat, right? They shoot a ton of threes, Duncan Robinson, guys like that. And it, it, when you c- cannot recover defensively, that's just going to make you uh, really not survive and be in a really short series in the playoffs. Like That, that just has to get better at some point. Now, it, maybe it's not this year, but it has to happen for this Bulls team to get to that second-round uh, stratosphere that we're talking about. To me, that Miami loss was one of the worst losses of the season. That game was over before the first media timeout in the first quarter. Yeah. I mean, Miami ran them off the court before you could even get to the first commercial break in the game. That's how pathetic that game was on both sides of the ball. Offensively, you were taking tough shots and missing. And then on defense, you didn't have it. And the Heat were finding open three-point shooters. They were taking advantage of it. And Bam was everywhere making all the plays on the perimeter and then getting back to the rim. It, it was, it, I thought that they would match up better against the Heat, and I was surprised at the outcome and the way that that game took place from the start. If you want to join the conversation, you can call us at 312-332-3776. What are your expectations for this Bulls team? Taylor, Hyde Park, you're on ESPN 1000. Yo, what's going on, fellas? What's um, up, Taylor? Finally, we have an what's NBA up, man? show, man. We got we got a golf show, we got a hockey show, we got a MLS show, we got all these shows, but no NBA show. Finally, thank God. <laughs> and I'm happy that it's you two guys too, because at least you know Hoodie keeps it keeping a buck with me. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And then Black, you know, we gotta we gotta definitely uh, teach you some more about basketball. But it's good to have your yeah. opinion about mm-hmm. this stuff, right? Sure. Um, all right. So first off, I gotta say this. Huh? Uh, I could have waited for the Batman movie. I hope. I, oh, I Taylor, come on, on now, Max, dude. Come on. It was too dark. It was too. The Batman was. He, he, I need. I need Bruce Wayne, billionaire Batman. He was, you know, emo, PTSD kind of Batman. I needed gadgets. I didn't really see the. It was. It was. It was okay. Well, let me ask. Um, well, let, let me ask you about this. Okay, so there's to me, it's a breakdown. I've heard this on Black and Abdallah, This yeah. whole Batman debate. I would have it for you know. I would have this mornings, but you know, Cap doesn't know who Batman is. So, so, so I go to six to eight Black and Abdallah to talk about to hear the Batman right, breakdown. Right. Do you believe that this Batman, the Batman, uh, is, was a decent Bruce Wayne? Because I think there's a two no. different conversations. Who's the best Bruce Wayne, and also who's the best Batman? Right? Where do you place so, him as, as far as Bruce Wayne's are concerned? That's a great question, Hoodie. And this is this is what I'm saying. I went home yesterday, and my wife said, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I just want to watch The Dark Knight." I literally watched The Dark Knight like yesterday. It was like, "This is Batman. This is Bruce Wayne. This is a billionaire. This is the guy who wants to fight crime with all the cool gadgets. This is Batman." And the fact you have like all these Batmans coming out all at once, they gotta they gotta slow down. I mean, I know Marvel's taking over, but they got. I mean, they got to slow slow this thing down. See, and that's why I think Taylor. That's why I think it's a good debate because uh, I think there are two completely different points of view, and I I absolutely disagree with you on why you enjoy the Dark Knight 
and why this movie, the new Batman, is not good. To me, almost the only redeeming qualities of The Dark Knight is when Heath Ledger's on the screen. Everything else is not as good as the newer Batman movie. And and the fact that Bruce Wayne's a, a playboy billionaire, like it, it, I don't need the Bruce Wayne story again. I like that this movie was about Batman. It was about Bruce Wayne and his background. What are you talking about? It's always about Bruce Wayne. Yeah, but that's, I don't that, need to see him Batman. get gadgets for the first time. Like it's a Bond movie. We understand he's got the gadgets. We don't need to see wrote, his parents get murdered again. We right? get it. He rode a regular motorcycle and drove a Corvette. He's a billionaire. He lived in an old castle house. Yeah, like, you gotta, no you doubt. Give me, what I'm saying is when you, you gotta, make the film, you don't need to see that every single time they make the film. We get it. Okay. I, I, what I would say, I, I would say that that's just part of the lore of Batman, that he's two different characters, right? Yeah. He's he's a normal guy sure. and he's a superhero. So why why wouldn't you have the, the, the real guy? Like I would say that Michael Keaton arguably was the best Keaton was great. Uh, yeah, I think he was not, not necessarily maybe not the best Batman, but definitely the best Bruce Wayne, right? I mean, it's, it's the story of who Batman is, is it not? It is. Okay. Which is why Bruce Wayne is very, very important. See, Black doesn't feel that way. He believes that you just want to get right to the, right to no, the no, superhero. No, 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 no. No, I, I just think that uh, the way they handled where there's just stuff you're aware of and you don't have to show it in a film, I thought made for a better movie. I'm not saying that you can't have it. I just think... The um, the Christian Bale playboy billionaire guy showing up the fancy galas and parties with all these supermodels like that isn't as interesting as a guy who spends his nights out in the streets trying to fight crime. I think that that's a more interesting angle. Yeah, but this is the problem that I have also, too, is like one. He was very regular with the people. Batman is and my, and this, I see Batman as dropping in, dropping out, letting all the cops. over the He was too much with the people. He was too close, way too close to the people. Well, that, that's I what the comic book like, suggests. Oh my, oh my, Is that how it hand, happened? It's kind of weird. Well, that, that's more of the comic books. That's, that's, how, that's how the story is. Uh, yeah, Luke Cage also was close to the people. Yeah, I mean, like he, got knocked, <laughs> he, he literally got knocked out, and they didn't take his mask off. He wakes up in the police thing. They didn't, like, it's just, it was just kind of like, this would be weird. I don't know. It was just weird. All right. Yeah, All right. They have Instagram, but they're still hailing calves. Like, the, the bad guys got revolvers. It was just like, but they're also basing it as today because you saw social. It was just really just, eh. Thanks for the call, Taylor. Yep. All right. Business is booming. All right. Here we go. So there you have it. Show already has devolved into Black and Abdallah. That's- ESPN 1000. Chicago's Unreal. home for sports. <laughs> Bulls and the Cavs tonight at the UC. It's fast break. I'm Chris Black along with Jonathan Hood. We're talking Bulls in the NBA with you here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. If we go back to Wednesday night, stripped by DeRozan. They've got numbers. DeRozan, the step through to the rim. DeRozan was fantastic, Jonathan, as the Bulls come back against the Pistons in the fourth, and really their defense led the way, and that's what we need to see for this team going forward is a better defensive performance, ideally early in the game, instead of waiting until the fourth quarter to try and come back. Well, maybe that starts tonight against the Cavs. You know, we'll see, right? As we mentioned before, there's a possibility that Caruso is inching his way back. Could we see him on the United Center floor tonight? Because, again, that helps the team defensively. Uh, that very well could be the case. 
I, I look at the rest of the Eastern Conference, at least the top six teams, and when your point differential is plus 1.5, Chris, uh, it is, it's the worst out of the six. Toronto's just worse at 1.2 as far as the point differential. But So as far as the Bulls are concerned, I would just like for them, and this is going to be a tough stretch here the next six, seven games, for them to be able to just play and be a little bit more tied together defensively. I don't worry about this team's offense, but uh, that that's my biggest concern because the defense tells you whether or not you're going to have staying power in the playoffs or not. And this is the last uh, home game. You have a, a road trip next week where you're on the road at Sacramento, at Utah, at Phoenix. That's going to be a tough stretch. And when you look at the injuries for the Bulls hanging into tonight, Alex Caruso is questionable. Zach Levine is questionable. I would assume it was probable. Nikola Vucevic is probable as well. So as you kind of take a look, hopefully at some point we start getting players back. And it, it, it sounds as if Caruso, because he practiced yesterday fully, uh, he, he didn't take part in the contact parts of practice, mm-hmm. but he has been taking contact with the training staff. So it sounds as like uh, as if Caruso is very close. And that tonight sounds like maybe a game-time decision. But the concern would be Zach Levine, who did not practice yesterday because of soreness in his knee, which is now, what, the third time this season that this has popped up? And hopefully Zach Levine doesn't miss tonight because of the knee injury. And it's going to be something he's going to have to kind of deal with and figure out throughout the rest of the season. Did he suffer that during practice? I guess that's the question, right? Because there's been a lot of time off here from the from the game Wednesday against the Pistons to where we are here tonight no. against the Cavs. No, it was sore. It was sore from the game against the Pistons. So they okay. they rested him yesterday, and now he is uh, questionable for tonight. So so this is you know this is that same injury that he's kind of dealt with. He flew out to Los Angeles before the All Star break to get an opinion. Uh, the team has said uh, the opinions have come back that he is healthy. He's just going to have to deal with swelling his knee from time to time, which doesn't sound good at all. Now, you know the big picture topic on this, right, when it comes to Zach Levine is his contract situation. Yeah. That's the big picture thing because in basketball circles – People respect Zach Levine. They say, okay, now you've got a cast around you. I remember I told you I had a, did a show on Sirius XM NBA radio with Reggie Theus. Before the, all the Jordan and championship hoopla, it was Reggie Theus' team. And, right, Reggie said, right. and Reggie told me when I hosted with him, he said, you know, the worst thing is to be the best player on a bad team. Right, because he dealt with that with the Bulls, right? Rush Street Reggie, he was, you can always see him out with the fur and blondes on the, and, on either arm, you know, and like he was the man that way, but not the man was, on the team. He was like Bruce Wayne. Uh, I think you're a little better than that. Oh, okay. Yeah, All right. A little better than that. All right. And, he, and his hair wasn't as nice. Nonetheless, I, I look at it here what, what's happening with Reggie Theus, and he said, you know, I don't, I'd hate for Zach to just continue to be a guy that's never won more than four games, that hasn't accomplished much. And now the resume's starting to fill up, right? Dude's in commercials now. Guy is, has won more than four games in a row in his career. He's an Olympian. So things are starting to work well. But when it comes to contract time, you have a choice, right? Now, with Gar and Pax, I'm not sure what that choice would have been if, if it was their decision. But the knee is an issue. Will it be worked on in the offseason where it's going to be 100% for the next season? Or do you look at it and say he's always going to have this issue, but we still got to pay him full boat? Because he's going to be looking for north of $200 million, correct? He's going to get the max. Mm-hmm. And whether or not it's here in Chicago or somewhere else, it's going to happen. So you have to also consider... Does this front office, they didn't make the move to sign Zach Levine and trade for him in the first place. Right. 
do they look at the situation this year where they put everything around him and for most of the season, he hasn't played up to his potential. Now, you can blame injuries, and you can use those as excuses. A fair a fair thing to do. Sure. I'm, but also, if you're a team that went out to get all these pieces to compete, and the guy that you got the pieces to compete around is not holding up his end of the bargain, is that the smart thing to do, to sign him to a max contract going forward and, and tie up all your cap space in someone who may or may not have knee injury issues going forward? If you don't, you're Charlotte. You prepare to be that? I mean, I'm just. I'm, no, I'm, you're right. You're right on the comparison that if you don't have a second guy, you are no longer a team that's still trying to fight with the top of the Eastern Conference. You have a second guy. I get that. It, it would just be Vucevic. That's, I mean, that's. And then you're hoping for development of like Patrick Williams, who, who I don't believe his ceiling is Jimmy Butler. I think it's so early on Patrick Williams, by the way. Just because LeBron James says he reminds me of Kawhi doesn't mean he's Kawhi, right? So the hope is, is that his ceiling is what Jimmy was coming out sure. of college, right? Jimmy was all defensive guy. That's what Thibodeau wanted. He was a defensive guy. He was able to blossom as an offensive player, right? And so if that's his ceiling, that's cool. But that's not happening at age 20. So who's who's the so the other idea would be if you don't sign him or you you come to an agreement like this isn't maybe the spot, he could also be a chip to be moved if you do sign him to a max. DeRozan's 32. Sure, right. You need something, right? Be and, careful. and so careful now. Well, I, I'm just throwing it out there because in two years is he going to be a top ten player in the league? Uh, Levine? Yeah. No. No. So at some point you need that. You need that to compete with the others in the Eastern Conference or or to try and win a championship. You need more, right? You need more. And whether or not it's signing Zach and then eventually trading him for something more. Or deciding that we'll use this space because now people have noticed this team. Mm-hmm. People have noticed Chicago and they say, oh, all right, the Bulls are back. We want to play for the Bulls. Like, is that something that's enough to get it done in free agency? I don't know. I think the, the play that you have to make is you sign him to the max sure. and you hope that he improves and continues to stay healthy and becomes a player who sniffs around top 15. Mm-hmm. And then that, that's the guy that you pair with something else. But they don't have enough on the roster right now to get it done. So here's what's interesting about this this conversation, right? So if you look at Zach Levine and believe that he's on his way to superstardom, he's a star. I don't see him as a superstar just as of yet. We know a superstar when we see it. We're not going to play any games on the show. You know a superstar when you see it. You yeah. know who it is, right? So you know, it starts with the LeBrons and the Giannis's and, and players of that ilk. So, you know, Embiid is on his way. Those things like that. So the Bulls don't have a superstar. You can't mess around with this whole thing with Levine. You're going to have to pay him, even if you don't want to. Even though if you think he's a top 15, top 20 player, you got to pay him. Because if you don't, um, just know that free agents or those that want to leave other situations won't look at the Bulls favorably. See, I think it's more attractive now if there was cap space for someone to say, you know what, I just don't like my situation. I want to play with Chicago because that's fun, right? Mm-hmm. Because they have DeRozan and Levine. Sure. Because they have Vucevic. Because they got Billy Donovan. It's a team-friendly, player-friendly organization. There is no Garn Pax. It's Karnaschovas, who people know around the league internationally. It's Eversley, who's worked in, in the front office of Nike for a long time, for 10 years, and with, with Toronto. So, it, so now it's attractive right if you take one of those pieces out right and if it's like DeRozan's team with Vucevic it's like 
Uh, right? <laughs> but they do it now. But now, like, if, if someone, and you just give any name, right? Just pick it. Say Carl Anthony Towns. Just sure, say, I, sure. just, I just picked the name out yeah. of nowhere, right? Say he doesn't like the Minnesota situation and says, you know what? I like to stay in the Midwest, and I think Chicago, that's that spot now, right? There is no shadow of Jordan. There's no you know, bad feelings of Gar and Pax and all that. Now it looks like an appealing organization. You'd rather have it looking like now than if you say, well, we're not going to pay Zach. We're going to let him walk, and it'll be DeRozan and Vucevic. That's not going to work. So what I'm saying is you have no other choice because if, if Zach's with the team, that increases your chance to find someone else somewhere down the line because when you, if you win a championship – Will DeRozan be part of it in three years at 35, 36? I don't know. Yeah, and I, I think that's a way to kind of form this going forward is that, you know, this MVP-like season that DeMar DeRozan is giving the Bulls is fantastic right now. It's not sustainable for the future. Right? He's, he's not going to play like this for the next three seasons. And, and so you're going to need someone to kind of take that that mantle for the team going forward, and you would expect it to be Zach Levine. And, and for whatever the reason is, it hasn't happened in this season, whether it be his health, whether uh, his play, uh, whatever the case, or another alpha on the team that now takes all the shine. Like, whatever the case may be, it, it's just not the case. If you want to join the conversation, you can call us at 312 332 3776. Because Zach's going to get paid, Jonathan, and that's going to happen in this offseason. The, with the Bulls, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. Sure. I, I don't know. Like, if, this, if they get bounced in the first round, yeah. say if they play the way they have in the last month, sure. and they get bounced in the first round, they win a game. They give you, give you one game, a rockin' UC, uh, a road game, or a home game, but it's the third game of the series. Right. Rockin' UC, everyone's going nuts. You got mm-hmm. Caruso, people wearing headbands around the city. They yeah. want to be like flying Caruso. Yeah. Uh, everyone's rocking, and then you, it, you, you lose in the next two. So it's a gentleman's sweep, right? Yes. Uh, your, your star player needs the max, and you just got bounced in the first round. Is this the best way for the future? This front office doesn't owe him anything. It keeps you relevant. It keeps you in the mix. And there's a lot of teams that are good but can never get over the hump. Ask Damian Lillard what that's like, right? Yeah. Good team, but you can't get over the hump. And so I'm not saying what the, that's what the Bulls are, but understand what's missing. And that's the superstar power. That increases your chances of getting to where you need to be. The Bulls have a plenty of solid players, plenty of stars on the team. Like they have at least two, whatever you think of Vucevic, right? But usually you got two. Now what happens in the next couple of off seasons? Can you be able to find that other big fish to complete it? Because that's how you win the in the league today. It's multiple players and definitely one at least one superstar on the team. And speaking of superstars, LeBron James went for fifty again last night. We talk about LeBron next. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Matt and Streamwood talking Bulls with Jonathan Hood and Chris Black. It's fast break Saturdays from 1 to 3 here on ESPN 1000. What's up, Matt? Hey, Hoodie. Hey, Black. Thanks for taking my phone call. Yes, sir. Black, I remember on your show a couple weeks ago with, when you were at Vidala, you were talking about the Pelicans not promoting Zion mm-hmm. in their, what was it, the press release or yeah. something? Yeah, press that release stuff. to season ticket holders. Did you see that, Jonathan, I that did. story? Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead, Matt. You, 
do you think they like that they soured on him? That you just think that he's like reminds you like a Eddie Curry, where he's just overweight and just the talent, and he's just not he cannot be there. Or do you think that they're like uh, like I just want to know like from you, like do you think that they soured on him, and that we should do our due diligence just to sniff around to see what it would cost to trade for him, or do you just think he's just not? healthy enough and he's just gonna be a bust or something like that. hold on a second matt you just <laughs> shot me in the arm right there with that eddie curry compare you you shot me in the arm holy i didn't think, i didn't see that coming today zion is well, eddie I mean, curry oh, i mean come on, come on hoodie don't you think he's just like eddie curry like i mean just remember he just like, like he just was not conditioned it just was like always in there so i just to me that's what he reminds me of i mean to me but i just want to think to you do you think that they soured on him or do you think it's just that He's just not healthy enough right now, and that they're they're still going to promote him. Well, let's address it, and we appreciate. Thanks for the call, Matt. Okay, so, <laughs> so I, I've, uh, I've 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 as you well know, I've hosted shows on SiriusXM with um, David Griffin. Yes, between the Cavs job and this job, and he's the general manager of the New Orleans Pelicans. And when I talked to David, you know, on and off the air and texted with him and all that. He always had his ideas, his grand ideas about if I ever got back in the game, I would do blah, blah, blah. One of the things that he did not text me is that he would lie to his fan base. And, he, and uh, like, it, it doesn't hurt me to say it anymore because but even though we do communicate, the point is, though, is you told the fan base with the Pelicans, like, yeah. on day one that he would be ready, that Zion would be ready. And so that affects the few season ticket holders that's in New Orleans to go to Smoothie King, right? And so he's not ready. And so he's disappeared, right? We don't know where he is. It's it, Eddie Curry and Zion Williamson are two different guys. Zion Williamson wants to play, but because of the injury, he's already comes, he already came in as a big guy, right? I mean, this is going to be like the next mailman Malone. But because of the injury, yeah, and maybe some depression has, has seeped in. He's just 20, 21 years of age. Yeah, he's going to get himself back into shape, but he's, he's always going to be a big guy. But I think that just New Orleans, just the way they handle the situation from a trainer standpoint, was not great. So I, I don't see him being Eddie Curry. My hope is that his best moment in basketball will not be him blowing out of his shoe at Duke. He will be 22 in July. He's played two seasons, first season, rookie year, 24 games, second season, 61 games. To go along with that, though, when he's been on the court, this dude is way better than Eddie Curry. So, like, the comparisons are not even close because in his sophomore year, he averaged 27 points, seven rebounds, four assists, shooting 61% from the field in the 61 games they played. Mm -hmm. His game isn't the issue. It's him being healthy. That's correct. Where Eddie Curry couldn't play. I mean, it took a long time for Eddie to find a role in the league. Knicks. Uh, Knicks yeah. and, and bench guy for a while, good depth off the bench, but he was never what Zion has been in the league. He's a one-time all-star and deservedly so because of the 27-7-4 that he put up on 61% shooting in his sophomore season. So I to, to the original question, would you sniff around that? I would. Yes, if he's healthy, yes. You know, if you trust your training staff, you trust your organization, you get someone like that into the mix, that's a franchise-changing player. And it seems as if that his side, his camp, his family, they don't want him in New Orleans. It seems as if he's not very interested in being a Pelican. Um, and, And so they're in a tough spot. But you're right. 
Griffin did lie to the fan yeah, base. And then, so then they, they put out this uh, season ticket holder email, masked blast email to, the, to all their season ticket holders about two weeks ago. And they promoted Willie Green, their head coach. They promoted uh, jo- Jonas Valentunis. Mm-hmm. They promoted uh, C.J. McCollum and uh, Brandon Ingram. And yep. no mention of Zion in any of the pictures, in any of the, the paragraphs saying, hey, come see exciting Pelicans basketball next season. Mm-hmm. So are you expecting Zion to be gone next year? That's a great question. I have no idea, Chris. Uh, I, I've i never been one to look at a star in a smaller market and say, you got to get out of there, right? Who's telling Ja Morant, hey, you're in Memphis. Get out of there, right? You got to play for the Knicks. You got to play for the Bulls. You got to play for the Lakers. No, I'm not saying that. I, I still believe in the Stern uh, theory of having a star in every market, right? Something to watch. But as soon as Zion got to New Orleans, it's like, oh, you got to get out of there. You got to. And of course, of course, Zion with the big cheesy smile when asked about playing in Madison Square Garden for the first time, he's like, oh, it's the Mecca, blah, blah, blah. Right, you know, right. all that, right? <laughs> so cool. That's cool. But the thing is, young man, you got to get yourself healthy, get yourself mentally ready. But I know, just like, um, just like AD, went to the Lakers from, from New Orleans. Zion is not long for New Orleans either. He'll play someplace else, but I wasn't trying to push him out. But if that's just not a good spot for you, I can understand why. Could we uh, maybe not push the player out, but could we push the team out? I'm sniffing like a Seattle, a Vegas perhaps. Uh, do we need the Pelicans in New Orleans? I was not a big fan of that as a choice. It didn't work the last time. Right. <laughs> in the 60s and 70s, I it didn't you, work. I think they need a Seattle franchise. It, can we can we get Zion and then the Pelicans to just head to to Seattle and, and be the new Supersonics? Just tough when your fan base had to leave and go to Houston. <laughs> Shout out to Katrina. <laughs> no, no shout outs. <laughs> no shout out to Hurricane. I'm just saying, but that's the reason why. I mean, they're, 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 now they had to go someplace else. It's hard to fill the building when you got no fans. Shout out Katrina. We'll be back in two minutes. Shout out. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.